This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Right, it's good to be with you. So can I have a few volunteers to help hand out the handouts for the session? Great. So as we're getting those sorted, there's a bunch here. There should be more than enough for everyone if you can just take a few and pass them down. Is, how, is it, how does it feel for me being down here? Can you all see me if I'm down here? I can go back up. Thumbs up in the back. Feels very lonely up there. Okay, we're good? Everyone good? Okay, you can talk to me afterwards if you're unhappy with the decision. Actually, you can talk to Father Jonathan. He'll, he's dealing with all complaints this weekend. So um, as we get started, I just want to give a shout out to the worship team. Thank you all for leading us. Yeah, let's give a round of applause. Thank you. They did a marathon uh, prep session practice last Saturday to prepare for this. So really grateful for them. And as you remember uh, in like the dining halls, let's just be really grateful for the people who are serving us. So just... Go out of your way to thank them and show your appreciation. So um, this morning, we are um, really this whole day, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Psalm 46, and uh, we're going to be immersing ourselves in it, going through it in detail, praying through it. Um, And as we do that, um, I want to just give us a general orientation to the Psalms, really. So um, I want to do a little um, word association game. So when you hear the Psalms or think of the Psalms, what kinds of images or words or ideas come to mind? Just shout them out. Music, great. Praise, pain, okay, yeah. Mountains, anger, okay, good. Poetry, water, sanctuary. Lament, yeah, all good things. Repetition, yeah. So the two, the two words that I want to focus in on this morning are poetry and prayer as we orient ourselves to the Psalms. And um, I want to read a section. If you um, are interested in, in going deeper, the best way to, to learn the Psalms is to pray them, to pray them with other people. Uh, but it's also really helpful to have a guide that leads you through them. And this is the uh, resource that I found to be the most helpful in learning the Psalms. It's um, Answering God by St. Eugene, Eugene Peterson. So if there's one book that I would recommend for you to be a companion to the Psalms, um, it would be this book. So you can mark that down. I just want to read a section. Eugene Peterson, it's called Answering God, the Psalms as Tools for Prayer. And if you, does everyone have a handout? Does anyone need one? Okay, good. Well, if you flip over to the back of your handouts, uh, there's a section um, where Eugene, that I'm going to read for us because I I think it's just so good. So this is Eugene describing the Psalms as uh, poetry and prayer. So I want to read it for us. It's something that you can use to to reflect on while you're here. So I'll, I'll read it and then we'll continue looking deeper into this great Psalm, Psalm 46. So this is what Eugene Peterson writes. Poetry, about poetry and prayer. Poetry is language used with personal intensity. It is not, as so many suppose, decorative speech. Poets tell us what our eyes, blurred with too much gawking, and our ears dulled with too much chatter, miss around and within us. Poets use words to drag us into the depths of reality itself. They do not do it, they do it not by reporting on how life is, 
but by pushing, pulling us into the middle of it. Poetry grabs for the jugular. Far from being cosmetic language, it is intestinal. It is root language. Poetry doesn't so much tell us something we never knew as bring into recognition what is latent, forgotten, overlooked, or suppressed. The Psalms text is almost entirely in this kind of language. Knowing this, we will not be looking here primarily for ideas about God or for direction in moral conduct. We will expect rather to find the experience of being human before God exposed and sharpened. He goes on to describe prayer. Prayer is language used in personal relation to God. It gives utterance to what we sense or want or respond to before God. God speaks to us. Our answers are our prayers. The answers are not always articulate. Silence, sighs, groaning, these also constitute responses. The answers are not always positive. Anger, skepticism, curses, these also are responses. But always God is involved, whether in darkness or light, whether in faith or despair. And this is hard to get used to. Our habit is to talk about God, not to him. We love discussing God. The Psalms resist these discussions. They are not provided to teach us about God, but to train us in responding to him. We don't learn the Psalms until we are praying them. And this, I think, is going to orient how we interact with the Psalm uh, today in particular. Uh, it's less about learning about the psalm and interacting with the psalm, connecting with God and one another through the psalm, praying the psalms. So, um, as poetry, just to kind of rehearse a little bit of what he said, poems capture our imaginations. And they articulate, um, the, the psalms as poems, articulate the whole range of human experience of what it means to be a human. So, we've, we've already shared some of those, given voice to those. The joy we feel as being humans and sometimes the rage that we feel because of life's circumstances. The fear that we have because of the things that we experience and the peace that we can have in the midst of those fears. The hope that we can have and the despair that we can have. Trust, doubt, fullness, and emptiness. The Psalms cover the whole range of the human experience. And it helps us to articulate our experience and bring our full experience to God, to get in touch with it. The Psalms give us language to be honest before God, and they train us how to feel. And for some of us, that means training us to feel anything at all. And for some of us, it trains us how to feel the right thing and the right way in certain circumstances. In his book on the Psalms, C.S. Lewis says, most emphatically, the Psalms must be read as poems. They help us to see, for instance, that the connections in the Psalms are not just logical ones, but they're emotional ones. They help us to get in touch with our feelings. And as poems, they're full of beautiful images and rich metaphors, right? God is our refuge. God is our shepherd. God is our light. As a deer pants for streams of living water, I'm sure you have some of your favorite images uh, as you've read and prayed through the Psalms. Like a lion, our enemies tear us apart. They give us these, this rich language to articulate our experiences. And uh, because of the images and the metaphors, they're surprising and they're sticky. That's how we help uh, to memorize them and, and to remember them. And as poems, they, they cause us to slow down. 
they cause us to pay attention, to pause, right? We have Selah in there. It tells us to do that. Sometimes we even tried to skim through. But you can't speed read poems. You can't speed read the Psalms. They help us to pause and to slow down, to pay attention. So uh, Psalms is poetry and Psalms is prayer. The Psalms are not just poems. They're not just arguments. They're prayers. There's a, a phrase on the back. I printed it for you because it's in Latin, and that can be uh, a little intimidating. Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. It's a classic Latin phrase in the history of the church. And literally, it means law of prayer, law of faith, law of life. And what it means is how we pray shapes what we believe, shapes how we live. So it's important that we're praying in the right ways, and that's where the Psalms come in. The, the Psalms... Um, have always held a central place in the life of God's people. That's why uh, in our Book of Common Prayer, we have all of the Psalms in there. It's, it's so essential to, to our lives as Christians, to our lives as Anglican Christians. That's why we pray the Psalms every day in the Book of Common Prayer. That's why uh, we pray a Psalm in every one of our worship services, because they're essential. And the point of the Psalm, the essential point of them, is, is not information. It's about being formed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's not about theoretical knowledge, but about experiential knowledge. And there's great promise and peril in the Psalms. And the promise and the peril is the same thing. The promise is it helps us to get in touch with ourselves, our true humanity, and in touch with God. That's also the danger. The peril is it helps us get in touch with our true selves and with God. They're dangerous. So um, what I want to do is cover um, the first section. Well, I want to give us an overview of the psalm in general, and then we're going to focus in on uh, verses 1 through 3 of our psalm. But before we do that, I want to pray the psalm together. And I've printed it for us in case you don't have your your program. We're going to pray it responsively. Um, I'll lead us and invite you to respond with the words printed in bold. And let's stand together as, as we do this. Just get the blood flowing. You know, it's a little cold out here, so... Let's pray this psalm together, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth should change. Though its waters roar and foam. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. The Lord of hosts is with us. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. Man, you can be seated. So um, it's pretty obvious what the theme of this psalm is. God is our refuge. It's repeated in verse 1, verse 7, and verse 11. 
And praying through it in its entirety, you, you can get a feel for the, the structure of the psalm. So the literary structure, God is our refuge in the face of natural disaster in the first section, one through three. In the second section, four through seven, God is our refuge in the face of national disaster. And then the final section is an invitation to consider God's works and his identity as our refuge and to trust in him. So that's the literary structure. But for um, our purposes for the retreat, we're going to be uh, engaging with the psalm a little bit differently. We're going to be looking at the three sections um, as the psalm lends itself to, but we're going to um, sort of map time onto that. So in the first section, we're going to look um, at how God has been our, a refuge to us in the past. And uh, in this section, we're going to be focusing on God as our refuge in our memory and how we remember God and his faithfulness to us. In the second section with Father Jonathan uh, this afternoon, we're going to be, uh, this morning, yes, thank you, we're going to be, it's still in the future, but we're going to be focusing on the future in that section, how God, we're anticipating how God is going to be our refuge in the future. So we're going to be focusing on God as our hope. And then in the final section, verses 8 through 11, is an invitation to consider God's works and identity and to trust in him in the present. So we're going to be focusing on what kind of action God, being our refuge, uh, invites us into. So that's our plan for uh, today as we focus on Psalm 46, and we're going to be focusing on uh, memory and God being our refuge in the past this morning in this section. So the reason we're doing this is um, in, in terms of um, past, future, and present is because as human beings, we are uh, how we remember the past and anticipate the future. Who we are is how we remember the past and anticipate the future, and that shapes what we do in the present. We are a complex creation of our memory and of our hope. And so we're going to be focusing first on our memory. We're going to go backwards before we go forwards. So as modern people, I think uh, with all of our science and technology, we can almost sometimes fool ourselves into thinking that we can control our environments, we can control the chaos of the world. Sometimes uh, we try to insulate and isolate ourselves from risk and from danger. But despite our very best efforts, if the past 18 months have taught us anything, it's exposed just how fragile our lives are, uh, just how tenuous uh, the plans that we make are. The plans that we make are a house of cards. Um, we have very little control over our lives. So, of course, uh, the pandemic... Also, all of the natural disasters, it feels like there's more of them, the political and cultural division and chaos. As I've thought about it over the past 12 or 18 months, it's felt like the world's been on fire. And in many places, it actually has been on fire. I was in Montana this past summer and just couldn't see anything. The, the like thousands and thousands of acres just on fire. That's what the world's felt like in the past 12 or 18 months in many ways for me, I imagine for you as well. And so in Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, this section gives voice to this experience that we've had this past 12 to 18 months in poetic language. Though the earth should change or give way, though mountains shake and collapse into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the earthquake, God has been our refuge. God has been a very present help. He's been near to us. He's been powerful to be near to us. As I have reflected on this psalm, 
this image of a ship called the Globetrotter 2 uh, has continually come to my mind. I don't know if anyone read the news during Hurricane Ida, but we have family in Louisiana, so we paid uh, close attention to what was going on with the hurricane. And there was this, a news story about a, a deep drilling ship 100 miles off the coast of Louisiana called the Globetrotter 2. And it's a massive ship. It's um, about the, the size of two football fields, so it's really, really large. Uh, but the sea is much bigger. So it's 100 miles off the coast. And um, these ships, from what I understand, just do what the dispatchers tell them to do. They're hired by a big oil company uh, for, I think, like $270 million a day, something crazy like that. Anyways, they didn't get directions to leave, to, to head back to land until it was too late the morning of. They were right in the path of Hurricane Ida, and they were stranded. Nobody could go out there to help them at that time. And so there, are, there was 100 people on the crew on the ship, and they were just left at sea. And uh, they were reporting how there were 80 to 100 foot waves, just like massive waves, hard to imagine. I mean, it's a big ship, but really, really hard to imagine. The ship was riding out the storm, and uh, the crew said, you know, they were basically praying for their lives because they were left alone in, in this storm. And this uh, ship the size of two football fields was going, like, almost capsizing. They don't know how it didn't capsize. They said from the top of the tower, they could see the bottom of the ship. It was just going back and forth, back and forth. And they were just basically crying out to the Lord to save them. And they were terrified. You can imagine how traumatic it was. They had no help coming. They didn't know when anybody would be able to save them, if, in fact, they would ride out the storm. And they did. The ship held. And as I've thought about uh, God as our refuge, I've thought about that ship. I think it's still out there. They're still working on bringing it back to shore. Uh, but God is like that ship in the midst of a storm. We don't capsize. We're going, it looks like we might. It feels like we might. But God is our help. God is like, like that ship. He is our refuge. As I was uh, studying and reflecting on this psalm, uh, a line from... Um, a translator uh, described the psalm like this, even when the world around us falls apart, we trust in God's help and do not fear. This is what the psalm trains us to do. This is what it helps us to do. And I think this is what we need as we come to this retreat. We have a lot that we've gone through in the past 12 months and 18 months, a lot of, a lot of trauma really from, from, from this time. And we're not going to get through all of that here. We're, you know, I, th I do think that the world is going to have PTSD when all this is over, but we're still in the middle of the trauma, right? It's not post yet. Uh, but I think we can work through some of it together. And I think we as a people need to be reminded that God has been our refuge, and we need to give voice to the ways that he has been our refuge in the past 12 or 18 months, even though it's been incredibly difficult. And so we really need to believe this and to live as if it were true. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time is kind of an extension of, of Mother Andrea's wonderful exam that she led us through yesterday as we've thought about the last 12 hours of our lives and how God has been faithful and how we can be grateful. I want us to break up into small groups and do that kind of with the last 12 months. Um, and I've given us um, some questions to think about uh, and to, to pray about together. So that's what we're going to do um, for, for the, the next bunch of time. Really, our, our teaching sessions are going to be pretty short, and we want to interact with one another. We want to pray with one another. We want to connect with one another. So we're, we're going to devote a, a good chunk of time to doing just that. So I want to walk us through um, the directions so that everybody is clear. So I'll break us up. You'll uh, try to find groups four to six, um, 
and you can pick anybody that you'd like that, that's sitting around you, and you can move your chairs around in here. You can find tables. But um, I want us to reflect on our experience. And let me just say, before we break up into groups, we're going to do this individually. So we'll have things to share so we're not like on the spot uh, sitting before other people. So first, individually, I want us to reflect on our experience during the pandemic in the past 12 or 18 months. Look back. What have been some of the greatest challenges that you faced? How has the earth given way? How have the mountains fallen into the sea? How have the waters roared and foamed in your life? Try to apply this psalm to your experience in this past year. And as you do that, think about how you've experienced God. How have you experienced God feeling very far away? Maybe it felt, it's been a really, really hard time and you haven't heard from God. What's that been like? And then spend some time thinking about the ways that God has been present to you if he has. How have you experienced God as a refuge? Have you? If so, what does that look like? What has that felt like? So that's what we're going to do individually. And then uh, I'll give us uh, 10 minutes or so to do that individually right where you're seated. And then I'm going to have us break into groups and just share uh, some of the things that uh, the Lord has brought to mind as we've done these reflections. Everyone clear? Okay, the next 10 minutes, you don't have to worry about time. I will, and uh, I'll call us together in a, in a moment. 